You're listening to Pastor Jared Ruddy of City Lights Church. That when you look at the grand sweep of Scripture, you see that God doesn't come to perfect people and use perfect people. He actually comes to broken people. So you see Moses is a guy that claims to, to stutter. He can't speak. And God says, I'm going to make you a speaker. I, I, I'm going to put you up. I'm going to make you lead. And he goes, all right, I'm ready to lead. And then he grabs his cousin. And he says, now you do it. And God goes, no, you. So what's the first thing Moses does? He runs away 40 years, right? He comes back. And then what does he do? He kills somebody. So what we see here is that Moses wasn't this perfect godly leader. He's a murderer. So then we fast forward up into later on. I'm just going to jump through. We could really pick out anybody. But then we see someone like King David, who's referred to as a man after God's own heart. What do we see? He cheats on his wife. How? How does he cheat? How's he an adulterer? Because he kills somebody, commits murder. After committing murder, steals some woman who he's watching bathe naked on a rooftop. How about a bad day, all right? Like if you're, that, that's not, that's not, we don't endorse that type of behavior. So what does God do though? God finds people in sin, all right? And what's amazing about that story is that God offers grace to them and says, let me change you under one condition. You acknowledge it and you acknowledge him. So that's why we read in Psalm 51, this is an amazing text after David for quite some time. It's at least nine months after because we know that uh, the baby that was, you know, born out of that, that, uh, out of the adultery. At least nine months after that, when the prophet Nathan confronts him, in Psalm 51, David cries out, O Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Now, if you're familiar with that story, and I know I'm referencing one that we're not preaching about, but if you're familiar with that story, if I was in the room and while he was repenting, I would be upset. I'd be like, listen, you didn't just sin against God, you sinned against uh, a whole bunch of people in this thing. But what we see is that God is not necessarily looking for us to perfect all of the areas of our life, although there is an area for restoration forgiveness. He's simply looking that we acknowledge our sin is fundamentally and primarily against God. People just happen to be the people on the other end of it. So what we see, though, is that God comes to these imperfect people that acknowledge him as their perfect Savior, and in doing so, God moves through them. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, that this scripture, although it is about people 2,000 years ago, our text today, it applies directly to our lives. If it doesn't, then then honestly, what is the point of this? This isn't a history lesson. This is a lesson of Christ wanting to move in our lives. Let's read together Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. And remember last week we spoke through some of Jesus' parables. And it says this, And on that day... When evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And the crowd, and leaving the crowd, they took with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. He said, peace be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the seas obey him. Now let me show you that I want you to get in the boat this morning. I want you to think about the situation that you're in and how Christ applies to this. As I started by saying, we have to be ever so carefully that the nostalgia of reading the Bible doesn't blind us. I hear people say, like, if we could just get back to the book of Acts... 
I'm thinking, I want to graduate beyond the book of Acts. If you read that, there's terrible stuff that happens in that book. It's not just exciting things that happen when you say, well, if we could just get back to the Bible times, if we could just get back to that. So, oh, that'd be great. Let's go to the Corinthians where we see incest taking place. That's really what we want in our churches today, right? No! The truth is, in that day, people were just as broken, just as challenged as we are today. So Jesus, leaving this massive crowd that's following him as he teaches swept up in the roar of his messianic appearance, believing that he is the king that's going to restore everything. In doing so, they get in a boat, and what does Jesus do? He sleeps. Why? Because he's human. He's fully God and fully man. This isn't fake sleep, all right? He sleeps. He's tired. He goes down, and he sleeps in a boat. Now, I don't know, is anybody seasick here? Anybody get sick when you're driving? Sick when you're riding in the back seat? All right, well, we, my wife and I, we were supposed to go on, a, which she's not here, I just pointed at an empty seat, but um, we were supposed to go on a, like a dinner cruise a, a while back, I guess it was last year, two years ago or something like that. I got out on the dock and my legs started shaking and everything like that. I don't know if I could sleep in a boat in the middle of a storm, but he's God so he can do it. He gets in this boat and a storm comes. Now this is interesting because what does Jesus do? He sleeps the whole time. Let me, to the point where this, it says the boat is filling with water. Now, Again, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I know water is supposed to be on the outside of the boat, not on the inside of the boat. So as this boat begins to fill with water, the disciples start freaking out to the point where they come and wake him up and say, Teacher, do you not care if we're perishing? Now this is where I want, I want to get personal just for a few moments because I would rather just do this. I believe that there's a time of consecration and prayer for us this morning. How many people here this morning, have you been in a situation or are you living it when you ask God, where are you? Why are you sleeping? Seriously. You're in a boat and a storm comes. Now, I don't know what your storm is. I, I don't know. Maybe it is some sort of sickness that's come into life. Maybe it's some sort of financial difficulty. Maybe it's a relationship that collapsed. Some sort of storm has taken place and you run to God and go, God, where are you? And, and you hear nothing. God, I need direction in my life, I, I, something with my finances. And the amazing thing is this, nobody is immune to storms. No one's immune to it. It's not like you see somebody that, that raises up to this level of, of security where they're no longer, uh, no longer susceptible. So let me say like this, uh, you're the most healthy person in this room. All right, no, not me. I know you were thinking, wow, he's really healthy. No, no, not, not me. You, you are. Somebody in this room, you are at the peak physical condition eating habits, everything's perfect. And have you ever heard this, this tagline when you're talking about somebody and they still got cancer? It doesn't make sense. And then you see the guy that's eating Big Macs every day and he lives till he's 95, all right? It doesn't make sense. So you see somebody that's able to control life perfectly and everything they do is with that in mind and yet cancer comes. And yet you see somebody that eats bacon every day of their life, every meal of their life. They don't eat, they drink bacon grease for you know, you have it in your pockets. What is this? There's like a new craze about bacon. You ever see that? They're bacon milkshakes and stuff. That's just, Lord help us, all right? But you, you, you see what I'm saying? We see people, everything's perfect. Now maybe you're saying, well, finances. I got my life completely under control with my finances. Nothing can touch. I've got my savings accounts. I've got my bank accounts. The next thing you know, the stock market drops and you realize you're not in control. 
Or you're in control like my mom was just a few years ago, driving until a 16-year-old kid that just gets his license, swerves into the lane, hits her head on, and then sends my mom into six back surgeries resulting from that. You're totally in control. See, we live in this delusion of life that makes us feel like we can control life, but yet if we're really honest with ourselves, there is no one in this room that is completely in control of everything. And you may not realize that until the storm comes, and then that storm is trying to shout something to you. It's trying to tell you something. Well, every, everything's good. I've got it all under control. Everyone, my relationship's good. And then you recognize that you, some, something in you begins to break down or that relationship begins to fail and your life crumbles. Your kids that you invest in so much that you raise to be these perfect people go out and do something completely contrary to what you want and break your heart. And you go, well, what am I supposed to do? Somebody picks on maybe your kids at school. Maybe somebody's picking on you, bullying you in that sense. And then you recognize in that moment, here's a, here's a legitimate storm. And you run to Jesus. You run to God. And the first thing is, where are you? Why are you sleeping? Let, let, me, let me tell you this. The, the, the problem with this question, teacher, why are you sleeping? <laughs> Wake up. See, why could Jesus sleep? Isn't that a really odd thing? We understand he's fully God, fully man, so he's tired in one sense, although we recognize no longer does he sleep, he's glorified. He's sleeping. But yet, when they come to him, waking him up, and what do they say to him? Teacher, do you not care that we are, what, perishing? Have you ever said that to God? Have you ever asked him, God, don't you care? If you care so much, why would you let this in my life? There's, I, I don't know how any of us in this room wouldn't ask that question at one time or another. And if you haven't, um, you shouldn't have came today because you will shortly, all right? Everybody asks that question. God, if you care so much, why did you let this happen? Because a good God wouldn't, wouldn't let this happen in my life. It, it wouldn't let this happen. But yet, what we see is this, is that the problem was they didn't understand that the beginning of the promise was this. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. When Jesus speaks a word, watch this, he calculates all storms in between and promises you that you'll get to the other side. He didn't say, let's get to the other side, unless a storm comes. Let's get to the other side, eh, it's going to be a rough day. Storm comes, Jesus is like, man, I'm on control as long as I'm on the ground. No, he is God over the storm. So he says, let us go across to the other side. In that word meant this, that your destiny, your, that your control of your life is not held in your words, but his. When he says, let's go to the other side, how many people know in this room, although they had to get in the boat and row, they had no other choice, no power in hell, no scheme of man could take them out of that. Jesus says, let us go. I'm not sure they could have said, well, I'm not getting in the boat. No, they're on the boat. And listen, God's promise was wrapped around them. That's a lot better than... You know, you're on the airplane. That always cracks me up when they're like, you know, pull down the oxygen mask and underneath your seat is like a, is a floaty or something like that. And you're like, how many feet in the air? 20,000 feet in the air? Sucking onto a cushion? I feel real secure. You know, we're flying to Africa. And you're, you're right over the Atlantic. 
And I'm just sitting on that seat, and I'm like, if we're going down, I got this cushion. This is going to be, it's going to be a long fall, but it's, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to hug that real tight. <laughs> Made it. You're just kind of pushing around out in the ocean, like, good, got, got this cushion here. This is good. How's it going, guys? Real good. Just floating with my cushion, waiting until they come, right? Come on. There's no security in that. That's just a joke. They shouldn't even say it. They should say, if we fall, it's done. It's just, if, it, if it's fall, like, we're at 20,000 feet in the air going 500 miles an hour. If we hit the water, if you survive, great. If you don't, yeah, I think that's just to keep people, I don't know, in control again, right? When he says, let's go to the other side, I want you to see this. Because there's a word over your life in the situation and circumstance that you're in right now. That God is saying to you, let's go to the other side. He's telling you, let's go to the other side. That doesn't promise that there's no storm. That doesn't promise that there's no difficulty. He's just simply saying, let us go to the other side. And when that storm comes, the danger that we have is forgetting what He has spoken over our lives through the Scripture, through His words. The danger is the moment that storm comes, we begin to question the character and nature of God. God, where are you? Do you not care? How many people on the flip side, well, not the flip side, that would be a bad thing, on the other side of a storm, have you been able to look back and say, if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have learned this? In the middle of it, God, why don't, why, do you care? Where are you? And on the other side of it, you look back and go, now I recognize, now I got it. If, that, if, if I wouldn't have went through the worst night of my life, the rest of my life would have been far worse than I would have ever imagined. So the disciples say, do you not care? They say this, teacher, teacher. I think it's amazing here because at the beginning of the Gospels, we see them referring to Jesus as teacher over and over and over. Teacher, 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 rabbi. And it's a respectful term. It's not demeaning in any way. It's actually very respectful. They're saying teacher. But yet we see later on in this gospel, and right here there's an allusion to this, that they don't recognize that this person is not just a good teacher. He's Lord. Jesus awakes and looks at them and says, Why are you so afraid, you of little faith? Have you still no faith? They're filled with great wonder calms the storm. It ceases, and it's still. And the amazing thing about this is that it, the storm didn't just break. The word here means completely still, calm. You go from a raging storm, and God goes, I'm in control. Complete calm. See, the problem here is that they didn't recognize that Jesus was not just a teacher telling them how to live their lives, but the Savior, Lord, and Sovereign of all things. That's our God. If you're in a storm today and you're feeling frustrated, angry, irritated, God, where are you? All it takes is one word from peace be still. But I want to suggest something to you here in this text. And this may be a little bit of a reach, but I'm going to go for it. I think it's amazing that Jesus looks at them and says this. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Isn't that a weird thing? Isn't that a weird Remember Peter walked on water? It's a crazy story. Unbelievable, actually, without God involved. He walks on water and he begins to sink, right? Jesus rescues him. Oh, you have little faith. Why does he always say that? It's not a really, like, oh, come on. I, if, like, don't you get anything for, like, walking on water? 
I don't care if you sink. Like if I did it just for like a few moments, I think God would be like, way to go. Like you sink and then like he follows up with you of little faith. I'd be like, everyone's like, you walked on water, man. Yeah, and they told me me of little faith. What's up? Like you don't get anything for that. Why? Isn't that odd? They wake up Jesus, teacher, don't you care? He calms a storm and then he says, it's a matter of your faith, not mine. I want to suggest something to you today, this. That God's word and our promises, we have to choose to access them. We have a responsibility and a choice to make this personal in our lives. I'm not talking about that we control weather, control storms. That's not, that's not us. That's God is sovereignty. Storms come into our lives. Absolutely. But I simply want to say this, that we tolerate things that God has not said are supposed to be in the way. He commands us, let's go to the other side. And then something comes into our life and we just go, teacher, why don't you care? Where are you, God? And we forget that he told us, and I'm, I'm not talking about some subjective voice in your mind or some pizza dream. I'm talking about his inerrant word. That he says something to us and we just look at it and say, no, this is just kind of the way life is supposed to be. It's just, it's just a storm. It's just what it is. Listen, if water's filling up your boat, that's a problem. If you look at your life and whatever that is, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, have a, I, I just have this feeling that we tolerate so much storms and so much dysfunction in our lives that God does not desire. Now, Jesus doesn't rebuke a storm if it was sent from God. God didn't play a trick on him. He didn't rebuke the Father in this story. There's no animosity going on between the Trinity. And Jesus was not playing a cruel trick on his disciples. There wasn't some cruel trick where God's saying, I'm just going to send a storm there, really shake him up, and then you're going to run down. And Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to go to bed now. Thanks, Father. All right, wake me up. That's not it. This is a real time, real motion. This is really happening. But a storm comes. Some actually equate this storm to the following passages in Mark chapter 5 with the demoniac, although I'm not sure if that's a little bit too far of a reach. But this storm comes, and Jesus rebukes the wind, rebukes the storms. He didn't rebuke the Father here. He didn't rebuke the Father. Isn't it amazing? When any time something good happens, we credit ourselves, and any time something bad happens, we blame it on God. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe you don't. Something goes wrong. We're, God, where are you? You don't care, do you? Something goes right. We're like, oh, great. I had a really good day. <laughs> this is, man, I'm on top of my game. Something goes wrong. We blame God. Where are you? Something goes right. We forget where he is. Listen, I, I, I just want to suggest this. Perhaps. Just maybe the reason that God in his sovereignty has allowed this storm to come into your life. Not that he sent it, that he allowed it in his sovereignty, in his hand, and it's not going to kill you unless you jump out of the boat. Maybe the reason that he allowed this, maybe maybe the reason is not so that you could uh, run to him and say, God, where are you? But so that you could recognize that he's not just a teacher, he's a savior. Maybe the reason that your relationship's crumbling, maybe the relationship, maybe you're Maybe the reason that this thing with health is failing or whatever it is. I, I, I can't fill in the blanks. I, I can't read minds. Not on Sundays. Maybe the reason this is happening is for the simple reason that you would reach out in that moment and you would recognize this. that God is trying to show you through the storm that he is above the storm. 
know, when I, when I, 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 without getting overly personal, anytime I walk through something like that, it's amazing. I'm blown away. I would love to, to say that I'm this super strong man of faith every time a storm comes. I'm just like this robotic, man, bring it on. Your puny storm. <laughs> Hear me roar. I don't know. I would love, I would love to say, I'm not like that. When a storm comes, my first response is, God, where are you? I'm not talking about stupid decisions. I'm talking about things out of our control. I'm not talking about you just spent all your money on, you know, going to the casino and you're going, why am I always broke? Like, like, you know, God, I'm playing. Aren't I supposed to win occasionally? Like, I'm praying while I'm playing. It's like, I'm really, I really am. I'm surrendering my money to you. No, I'm not talking about those things, you know. I'm, I'm saying this, perhaps the storms, I'm talking about things in your life that you don't control. And the scary part is that we blame these on God. I think that's amazing. They run to Jesus. Jesus, where are you? Why aren't you doing something about this? You're in control of this thing. I've followed you long enough. But I wanted to say this, the second part of that. He looks at him and says, why don't you have faith? Why not? That's so weird. Because to me, isn't faith going to Jesus and complaining? I mean, praying? Perhaps this. Perhaps a storm in your life that's real, that's shaking everything, isn't God's problem. Maybe it's yours. Maybe it's not God's problem. Maybe it's yours. Maybe the thing in your life that's constantly rocking the boat and you're going, God, where are you? Maybe he simply wants to say, I'll tell you where I am. I'm in you. I'm in you. We have faith in God, but Christianity doesn't just leave our faith in God. It has to move to a point where we recognize that God is in us. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I, I, I feel like we theologize ourselves constantly, blame things on God, and not recognize that there is a real enemy, real enemy, who wants to bring storms, not to give you a back rub, to kill you. But yet we blame these on God. And I'm saying this as a person who's got a very high view of God's sovereignty. Very high high view. But in that, I recognize this, that Jesus rebuked a storm. Listen, this morning, I'm simply wrapping up with this. I, I, I want you to see this. This is it. They stand up and they said, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Who is this? Maybe the storm that's in your life isn't God's fault. Maybe it's ours. When I say it's ours, I'm not talking about things that we control. I'm saying beyond that. Maybe God, in his sovereignty, allows this thing into our lives so that we recognize that storms reveal, or reveal our humanity. Maybe that's it. It's not God, where are you in this? Maybe we recognize it's not teacher, where are you? But we begin to cry out, Lord, where are you? Maybe that's the point of this. Can we stand together in closing this morning? I know this is a short message, but I did it intentionally because I, I want to pray. Um, it's one thing if we just talk about storms. It's another thing to recognize that each of them have, we have them in our lives. I want you to be careful to hear what I said. When I say the storm's your fault, I'm not saying you did something and made it happen. I'm saying it's not God attacking us. God's not angry sending storms our way. We're running and saying, teacher, where are you? And he's trying to say, listen, I'm more than a teacher. I'm more than a teacher. 
I'm a savior. I'm in control of the wind and the waves. Listen, I don't care what storm has come your way, if it is sickness or relational or financial or whatever, God has control over that. All it takes is one word from him, peace be still. Peace be still. Now, I'm not going to pull a storm out of you this morning and ask what it is. But I want, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I feel like I'm wrestling this morning trying to communicate this thought, and I'm probably doing a bad job at it. So my apologies for that. But I I care too much about you and and the seriousness of life. I care far too much about you. And I I don't know how to communicate this. I really don't. I don't know how to tell you. I I don't know how to tell you there's a storm in your life. And the only answer is going to be crying out for Jesus, not as a teacher. Jesus, he didn't say, Jesus, we got water in the boat. How do we get this out? He didn't, he didn't say, Jesus, could you help us? If we could just get another hand on deck. How many people know before he woke them up, I'm sure they didn't just go, oh, water's filling the boat. What should we do? These are fishermen. They've been in storms before. They didn't say, teacher, we need another hand. And they said, teacher. Jesus responds, I'm more than a teacher. I'm Lord Peace be still in this room. Maybe the storm's not God's fault this morning. Maybe the reason things aren't going right. But listen, it is our fault. And I'm using the word fault in a heavy way. Maybe it's our responsibility to do something about it. Maybe it's our responsibility to not run to God, but maybe it's our responsibility to say, you know what, God, you're in me this morning. And I'm going to lay hold. I'm going to access what you've spoken. You said peace. You said go to the other side. You don't want me to live like this any longer. I'm not saying everything's going to change overnight. I'm not trying to hype you up in that way. I'm just simply saying maybe it's our responsibility. When Jesus says, where's your faith? Maybe, just maybe, maybe he wanted his disciples to walk out and go, listen, God spoke something to me through his word. Maybe I'm supposed to say, Storm, you're not supposed to be here because God didn't say it's supposed to be. Maybe. I see no other logical explanation why he would say, why do you have no faith? Makes an issue of faith, not an issue of why didn't you wake me up earlier or why didn't you respond to me better? Maybe the very thing in our life that's pulling us down and sinking us, God's trying to teach us about who he is, that he is in control, and perhaps he's trying to teach us who he is in us. If I could have the worship team come forward just for a few moments as we pray. This morning, um, I don't want to pray the prayers of God, where are you? I'm not really even sure if that's a legal prayer when I really think about it. I see the book of Psalms talks about that, but I'm not really sure if we're just supposed to constantly say, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? That's, that's, a, that's yes, it's a grieving. But I think this morning, there's situations in our lives where we clearly know the will of God. It's not hidden. Clearly know the will of God. And this morning, I want to pray. I want to, I want to ask him, teacher. I don't want to just say teacher. I want to say, Lord, Savior, Savior, Lord. Would you come and just peace be still? The storm's not God's fault. He's not attacking your life. Every time something goes wrong, God, why, where are you? Why are you doing this? Maybe that storm 
Maybe that's the fallen brokenness of this world. Maybe that's a satanic storm. Maybe that's something where the enemy has come to destroy your life. Maybe that really is. And in the middle of that storm, God's just simply asking us to believe who I am. This morning, we're going to sing this song. Just says, give me faith to trust what you say. Then I want to just open up this time. We're going to have some people here to pray. I do believe there are real situations in this church today. I feel like I do need to go back one second. I apologize. I know I'm sloppy. I need to put parentheses on it. When I say it's not God's fault, it's your fault, I want to be careful because I know that word fault makes it sound like I'm doing something wrong. I, I, I want to be careful in that because I feel like I may have offended somebody in that. It's not, that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm trying to communicate as in you did something wrong. I'm saying it's our fault if we sit there soaking it. God's shown us his word. You know, there's a danger in life because the nature of storms is that they stop. And uh, storms are supposed to teach us something. They're not just supposed to come and go. The danger of a storm is that uh, it'll stop. And we may look back at it and say, well, it's just a storm. It stopped on its own. And we actually don't realize that God was trying to reveal who he was in it and through it. And we just look at it and we go, well, this life circumstance, if I can just hold on like every other time, it'll sooner or later it'll give up. And the danger is we actually make God into a deist. He's just kind of this distant God who occasionally comes and encourages us through a storm. Listen, please hear me. God has revealed his will to us through scripture. And we cannot just passively sit back and look at the sin in our lives, the storms of our lives, that some are self-inflicted and others are clearly demonic from Satan. They are not God's will for our lives. And to sit back and say, well, if it's God's will, he'll set me free. Listen, there are real storms in your life and God is trying to reveal who he is in it and through it. And I've found in my own life that there's sometimes when I come to that point, when I say, Jesus, help. I recognize that the moment I recognize the God over the storm, the storm has to obey. There are real situations in our lives. And I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't say that that's, yep, where are you, Lord? That wasn't a prayer. That was a complaint. It's not God, where are you? We know where he is. Where is he? He's in Christ. He's seated at the right hand of the heavenly father and his spirit indwells us. Please do not tolerate what God does not want for your life. God has given you his will through the scripture. And it's time that we pray from that perspective. If he told you, this is my word, we're going to the other side. then there's no use sitting there. It's to begin to pray fervently and say, God, you show me what your will is. Can I pray over you this morning as we close? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. We don't have to say, where are you? And if we're, if we're praying that prayer this morning, yes, storms make us feel like that in our emotions. And maybe even our present reality makes us feel that. But Lord, we thank you that your word isn't where are you. The word is we're going to get to the other side. Lord, thank you that you've given us a word. You've given us your scripture that says we're going to make it to the other side. And that there's no storm 
that can stop us in that. But Father, we recognize it's not your fault that a storm comes. But Father, we're responsible and it's our fault if we sit there and let it sink us. It's our fault if that storm sinks us. Why? Because you've given us a way out. Father, this morning I pray for those that are spiritually disturbed, Lord, this morning. Those that are spiritually depressed, Lord, that you would encourage them and you would say, peace be still, not by their works, but by yours. Father, I pray for those that are physically ill this morning, God, that your hand of healing would touch them. Lord, we recognize we live in a fallen, broken world, but we recognize also that you are our healer. We pray that you bring peace to that this morning. Father, I pray for those that are haunted. That's the word, haunted, tormented by things that they grew up in their childhood or things that have been following them, this storm that seems to be sinking the boat. Father, I pray this morning that they would stop saying, Teacher, where are you? God, where are you? And they'd recognize that you've already given them a word. And you've already put that in them if they are in Christ. And Father, this morning I pray, peace be still. In Jesus' name, amen.